It's the Craggy Rugby Podcast. Connacht have beaten Zebra and they've got the bonus point, a game that had a lot more headlines than that intro would suggest. Alan Deegan, welcome along. Hi, Rob. Very hard to pick out all the headlines. I'm going to say Sean O'Brien is one of them, though. William Davis, welcome along. Yes, Rob, he certainly is one of them. Uh, great to see him back. 23 months, apart from, as he, as he described himself in the press conference afterwards, the cameo against Leinster, which was when he got injured again. But he came through today, he scored the first try, he was involved in a lot, and it's great to see him. And hopefully that now is an opportunity for him to build on that. They're working on a special programme to keep him resilient, and so far so good. The broadcast today has come to you from TG Car Studios. I hope you enjoyed it if you were listening in live. We might have some highlights for that in some of our shows during the week if uh, we get a chance. In the meantime, we've got some great audio coming up here. Andy Friend and Sean O'Brien from Parma straight after the game. And we've got some uh, really important things to talk about. But just off the top, Alan, we're feeling good. Zebra is a place where Connick have had some difficulty in recent times. I remember going way back, they couldn't do anything other than win there. But more recently, it's been a bit of a struggle. So this is back to what it used to be. It certainly is. It's the first time we've scored seven tries in Zebra in the Pro 14 we've done it twice in European rugby but not in the Pro 14 and having only won by a point the last time and lost to prior two games it's uh, it's great to get back on winning ways William your thoughts yeah they, sh- they needed that they, they, they should beat Zebra at the moment Zebra are you know they're not playing particularly well they've gone one and six they're missing a lot of players they can't afford to miss the number of players that are away at the Italian squad and it was just a question mark of whether from last week's what I considered a poor, a decent performance, but a poor finishing, poor decision making to turn it round, give away a try after a minute, which could have been quite serious. But really, from then on, they were never in any in, in any real danger. They they took their chances well. They converted uh, turnover ball well. They won the breakdowns, scored a couple of decent tries, and that try just before half time, the interception. That finished Zebra. That was the end for them. If they'd gone in a couple, of, if they'd scored a try there, gone in a couple of points behind, could have got tricky. Uh, especially if it had been that tight when the red card happened for Connacht. But that really cemented the game for Connacht. Uh, it was an absolute killer. Uh, I suppose to con- concede a try in the first minute and score a try in the last minute of the half is perfect. Yeah, it just it's it was a strange game. I just really think Zebra didn't offer enough to win this game. Not at all. No, and you, you look at you talk about their, how the Italian, um, you know, their Italian players being away affected them. Their bench included three props and two hookers, which is something I've never seen before. I know they've got some injuries as well. I think they really missed Ian Nagel, um, who uh, got a bang in the head last week, and I think he was he was a big loss for them. Um, but it's still great to get that win. Connacht are now in second. They're on fifteen points. They're a point ahead of. Cardiff um, and you know, still have a game in hand so it's, it's great that although they got that bad defeat last week they've now won two away games in a row with two bonus points in a row which I'm not sure we've ever done before I'll have to go back through the records and see that Yeah, I was thinking of that during the commentary but then it's all that inconsistency William we're about to hear it from the post game we'll get to that and we'll get into more of a deeper dive for a few minutes here on this podcast but it's just the inconsistency uh, that's going to be the thing that will worry people going forward had we not seen that in the Scarlet's uh, last week performance, uh, in the performance against Scarlet's last week, I should say, you might have been in a much better place right now than you are about Connacht. It's just, there's still a little bit of uncertainty around this team. 
they're consistently inconsistent, mm. I suppose, and that's that's been a concern for a couple of seasons. They got to follow it up now next Saturday. They've a Ospreys team coming here who are not playing particularly good rugby. They're the only side Zebra have beaten. They managed to sneak a win today in Swansea against at St Helens rather than the Liberty Stadium against Benetton, who still haven't got a win. Then Benetton are coming here for the make first of the makeup games. If you get to the end of those and you're five wins and two defeats out of seven, you're in a good place. That's the bare minimum. Anything less than that means you're chasing. You've still got to play the Dragons away. That's your other make-up game. But you're then going into this really tough two European games, three Interpros and two more European games with with the Dragons to be added on to the end of that. So you've got to get your points and get your work done now. Um I think Andy Friend speaking to Connacht uh, Television during the week said he wanted 13 points out of these three games. So he's got five today. He needs to get five next week and he needs to get five against Benetton. But he, he wouldn't be that greedy. But I, I, they have to take the confidence of today. The game plan today was very simple. They kicked and they kicked and they kicked and they put the pressure on. And when you put pressure on Zebra, they make mistakes. Ulster did it last Monday. Connacht did it today. Here, after the game, from Parma, are the voices of Andy Friend and Sean O'Brien. A perfect response to such a disappointment last week. Yeah, it was. It was, Rob. And, you know, we, we talked about last week, so uh, it was disappointing. But, you know, that was much, much better, mate. And there's, there's uh, some smiles in the dressing room tonight, which is a good thing. Can't help but think... And maybe it's a bit of a cliche, and maybe you can give us a bit more detail, that the good conditions suit the way Connick play. Is that something to be concerned about going into a rough winter, or how much do the conditions help you play the game you want to play? Yeah, I mean, it was a beautiful day here in Parma, and, and you could see everyone, the excitement around that, because we do, uh, as you know, we, we like to move that ball around. So it certainly helps us when that happens. Um, but we need to be the team that, you know, we, we live in Galway, so we know we're not going to get that. So we've got to be the team that, uh, actually functions whether the weather's good, bad or indifferent. So, um, it, yeah, it was nice today, but if, if next week against the Ospreys we don't have that sort of weather, well, we've got to be the team that fronts up and plays a brand of football that still wins. Jimmy Duffy during the week said that it was going to be really important that you stuck to a game plan and he kind of hinted that kicking was going to be important. You did a lot of that. It was kind of similar to what England did yesterday. That must have been part of the way uh, you wanted to play and it was a good way to react to that early blow as well. Yeah, I actually thought um, both Colm and Colm Riley and Jack Cardy played us in the right areas of the field again. You know, as you said, there was a lot of kicking, but um, it's all about, we've talked about it, it's all about saving fuel. And when you get into the to the right areas to play, you've got the energy to do it. And when we came in at halftime, I don't have the actual stats on me, but from our reckoning, every time we got in there, we looked after the ball, we came away with points. So um, it, it is, you know, at the moment that that seems to be, uh, one of the one of the big trends in the game at the moment to play for field position and, and see which team loses patience with it. And tonight that wasn't us. There was a lot of talking points there. Uh, I could go through loads of them, but I'll just go with two. One is is this the positive stories. The man beside you we'll talk about in a second, Sean O'Brien. But Sean Masterson, Colin Riley as well. We were really impressed with Colin Riley. Maybe speak to how you feel he played and what was only a second start. Oh, I thought he was brilliant. You know, he's just got a he's got a really mature on a young head. Um, a really mature head on a young body, I should say. So, you know, every time he kicked, it was, you just knew, you knew we were making yards. There was just a, comfy, a comfortableness around him and just a, there's a calmness around what he brings to the game. So, you know, he's a, a really exciting young prospect and, and great to have a homegrown boy in that position. Great to have another homegrown boy in, in Sean O'Brien coming back and, 
not only playing, but just playing the way he did out there. You know, um, Lindy just made the point. It didn't look like he'd been away for 23 months. No, it didn't. Uh, because he threw his body into things and he was effective and he was fending blokes off and he was hitting balls and he was scoring tries and doing all the things that you know, I've probably seen on tapes, to be fair. Like, I know my first year I had uh, probably about six or seven games you played, Sean, he, yeah. and I remember that, you know, I remember the impact that he offered. But, um, you know, I, I haven't been there through the previous years when I know he's had a massive impact for this club. So to have him back is really, really pleasing for us as a club but more importantly pleasing for Sean and all the hard work that he's done and you know just to stay on on track and to keep believing and he's here now and let's let's just hope it's a it's a long and fruitful season and rest of the career for him. I'd love to segue to Sean on that but I just have to ask you about the two negatives obviously one you can't really speak too much to which is Tom Farrell's injury we'll keep our fingers crossed for him and we'll probably know more next week but Abraham Papayili whatever we say about whether or not there was intent or even whether head-on-head contact should be deemed a red card his tackle technique has been a problem in the Munster game and we kind of been watching it during games as well how concerned are you about that and how much has that played into the red card? Well, I know it's it's something that Abe's working really hard to rectify. Like he's a, a player who's come from rugby league. He's a big-bodied man anyway. Um, watch a game of rugby league, and you know most people tackle very upright. Now we we're aware as he's, as he's Abe that 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 uh, he does need to change that. But you know habits, unfortunately, that they are hard to change. There's no intent in that with Abe, and I thought he was really unlucky there tonight. I thought it was a head-on head, and you know at the end of the day, we do need to protect opposition players when they're carrying but um, I thought he was unlucky there tonight but you know again we respect the referee's decision we respect the laws and, and we'll make sure that uh, he keeps working on that tackle tech because he's a better man on the football field than he is with us with 14 that's for sure. Sean um, I know you got to catch a plane so we don't get the time we'd like to have to chat to you about today but you were one of the highlights for us in the commentary as well obviously getting that try one of my favourite bits of commentating was in that famous semi-final over Glasgow when you were winning that turnover right at the end and I think a lot of fans will put your try here today right alongside that as one of your great moments after what you've gone through well done today thanks very much you must be delighted to be back yeah I'm absolutely over the moon um, it's been a it's been a long road and uh I'm very grateful to the club and to the medical team for standing by me and uh, backing me to get through it. And what was kind of a quite quite a there was there was quite an amount of different injuries. You know, a lot of a lot of people generally when they spend a lot of time on the sideline, it's one one traumatic injury. But I kind of amassed a few of them uh, back to back. So I'm really grateful to the club for standing by me. And I'm just yeah, absolutely over the moon to come back and to to actualize what I've been what I've been uh, planning out for the last 20, 20 odd months and uh, yeah, know that I can still do it is, a, is a, something really positive. So delighted to be back. I've spoken a bit about this to the likes of Owen Masterson to Tom Parsons in Mayo football about the kind of, you know, focus and endeavor and, you know, maybe the determination it takes to come back. Can you speak to that in terms of the, the kind of mental test it is to go through what you've gone through over the last few years? Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's as a rugby player, obviously uh, your life is, pointed towards getting on the pitch and that's your goal all the time and you drive an awful lot of your happiness and from your life from that so it's it's quite difficult when that's taken from your from your life and working towards it and not there's points there has been points in my injuries that I'm not sure whether I'm going to get there so those lows and working through them and maintaining a positive mindset through that is where it gets very difficult and uh yeah I'm just to be honest I'm quite proud of myself that I've got out of it and got out the other side and and maintained um 
maintain some some ability to play rugby and I'm just delighted to get through my first game back and play, have, have an all right showing so very happy look around then I'll finish on this as you look around this group right now you know up and down there's been some great moments this season but there's been a couple of really disappointing defeats you've been there when we've won the title can you see something in this group that can really kind of come together in the next few weeks and, and just go to another level yeah, absolutely. I, I was I was saying at the beginning of the season that I'm really, really excited about the squad um, and the shape of the squad and the players that we have in it. Um, our only issue is consistency. We've been absolutely top notch at times, and then we've let it we've let it fall to like a really subpar standard in, in other moments. So once we once we manage to to instill that consistency in the team, I I really genuinely think we can be competing for titles again. Um, and I'm sure that's so does friendly, and that's that's the that's the mindset of the whole squad. It just takes a couple of wins, and we and we get that momentum back behind us, and that's where we're headed. Andy, this was the first overnighter. I'll finish on this. Uh, you're back on a plane now tonight, just to tell our listeners what the logistics are. Yeah, we we arrived yesterday. Uh, it was probably the easiest trip we've ever had to Palmer because we left from Shannon, flew into Palmer instead of the two-hour bus trip down from Milan. It was 15-minute bus trip from Palmer Airport across. Um, but uh, not much to do last night other than sitting around the hotel and and uh, <laughs> wait for the, the sun to fall and then wake up in the morning. So it's been a long old day, but listen, it's, it is what it is now. Yeah, we'll, we'll have a quick feed here, jump on the bus, head back to Palmer Airport. We'll be home in Galway tonight by about 10.30, 11 o'clock and wake up in our own beds tomorrow morning ready for Ospreys. Back here in our base of TG Carr Studios, thanks to them as always, a super setup here to allow us to broadcast games with atmospherics and the ref link. It is so much easier to commentate on. We'll just break the fourth wall and talk about that, but uh, William, it, it does make our job so, so easy and it's great link up with one of our local uh, cohorts and our, our uh, colleagues here in TG Carr Studios. It makes our job so much easier to keep this going during COVID era. Yeah, it certainly does. And... Uh I've forgotten his name, but the ref today was very talkative. Dan Jones, Yep, Dan Jones. Well, fair play to him. He was our third voice. Really good communication. They had a lot to talk about. They had a couple of tries to look at. They the red card. We'll be coming to that in a while to look at. Um, and they, they communicated well, and it has got better. I've criticised them in the past. I've said sometimes it was a shambles because they seemed to be looking at different things and they weren't, they, hadn't, they weren't working as a team. Now they were working as a team. Fascinating thing yesterday to see Nigel Owens as a TMO. And I've thought for years that the senior referees should be doing their spell in the TMO box so they get to understand what the TMO is doing. Uh, and that came up uh, in in a match yesterday. So it's they're getting there. It's taken them a long time. Maybe have a few wrinkles about how it's done in cricket where it, it happens a bit quicker, but you couldn't complain about any of it today. And it was great that we can hear it because it makes our job so much easier. Okay, off the top of my head, uh, for the rest of the podcast, we have the following talking points of which you can add to if I miss anything. We need to talk about Colin Riley. We need to talk about the red card. We even start with that. We need to talk about Tom Farrell's injury. I want to talk about the kicking game in a little bit more detail because that seemed to play a big part. And I wouldn't mind talking about some of the other players who play well so you can pick different players out in that regard. Anything else we need to cover? Little pause. I think we're covered. Let's start with the red card. Let's get straight into it. Because for me, I think it might be one of the early things that people talk about in the shops, on the phone, in their WhatsApp group. As as someone said to me recently in in our Gaelic football podcast, uh, this is the WhatsApp All-Ireland. And it's true. This is an era of WhatsApp sports watching. So people will be talking about that red card, possibly before anything else, William. Uh, Your thoughts? 
Uh, well, it's um, at, at a very minimum, it's unfortunate. Uh, Andy Friend there in the press conference said he thought it was harsh, which is unusual for somebody to come out that early and say that. I don't know. I We saw it six times in slow motion. The problem that I have with it is, to me, he led with his shoulder and then his head naturally followed. The other player who was the player to be tackled led with his head, but that's not his fault. He's entitled to do, as, as I understand it, basically what he wants. He was falling slightly. Papalili was slightly, he'd almost got beyond him or he got beside him. It was a poor effort at a tackle. If he'd gone in there low and hard with his hands around him, he'd have stopped him. But once you go in high like that, there is always the danger. And there was no mitigation as far as the TMO and the referee were concerned. I'm sure it'll go to a hearing. Uh, they might see mitigations. I can't see them at the moment. I think he's in trouble. I think it's something that concerned us. In the, uh, Even before he got sent off in the Munster match, there was a couple of tackles that looked a bit, just looked high, just looked like rugby league type tackles. You can't do that in rugby union. I, and Alan, it's not just that. It is just that, but it's not just that because it's so far away from where everyone else is. It's not like everyone else is at like a level of seven in the height meter and he's going to ten. Like there's a huge difference between how Alton Delan tackles, Jared Butler's tackle t- technique. When do you see Jared Butler tackle high? I going we're going to do it next week because I said it. But just one example: you either have it right or you don't have it right. And Papi doesn't have it right. Not at the moment. Um, you could say that the, you know part of the reason he got into position he was in it was a very good sidestep. <laughs> and you know uh, I think it's Boney got, got tackled um, he did sidestep and he already sidestepped someone before Papelihi so he was already on his way back inside and so it was slightly you can slightly mitigating in those circumstances but yeah he's he's up too high he's too he's too upright let him watch a few Will Connors videos mm. It's he just has to learn but you see the problem is if he gets another suspension now, it'll be he, it's the same offence twice, so they'll take that into account. Now they may not; they could turn around and say, "No, we don't agree with the decision on the day." But I think once you make contact with the players, it doesn't. I don't. No intent. I don't think he meant to maim him. It wasn't like going in with a stiff arm to to hit somebody. It was just a poor tackle. But when you you can have a poor tackle and go low and miss the tackle, and nobody says anything. But when you have a poor tackle and you go high. You get into bother, and it's gonna. It's a problem for them now. I mean, it's it's two sendings off in the space of about six or seven games, and it's 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 a big issue. Small bit of opinion to for me to finish on this. I, I know Andy Friend as the defenders player, and I definitely agree with him. It, logically, there's no intent when you're putting your head first. I mean, there's no logic behind suggesting he meant it. But that's exactly the point. The first point of contact was the head. If we're not going to protect players that way then how are we going to mitigate it against some of the things that science is proving and there's stuff in the papers today about footballers in the 60s we have lots of things to worry about when it comes to sport and it comes to injury we have to uh, go on air in about 10 minutes William has shown me I can tell our listeners that Jerry Murphy has just texted us one of us has to be on air alright we have time and we can keep going uh, Colin Riley Alan first because I've heard from William in the commentary I'm interested to see what you thought of his performance today oh he's excellent he's he's he's, he's like a he's like a uh, when he's going to kick a ball his clearance kicks are amazing because he's no backlift 
and yet the ball goes a mile. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, a good striker, you know, could hit a ball and hits, you know, next thing you know, it's in the top corner because, well, how did he do that? Because there's no backlift. The power on the, he gets into the strike of the ball is just incredible and he gets a huge distance on it and he controlled the game very, very well. And there's a couple of times, you know, the Connacht were in trouble at one or two scrums and didn't seem to fluster him. He just kept going. Um, so, yeah, hugely impressive and, and the speed. The speed at which he took that break when the ball came down badly to him in the line out. He saw the spot and he was gone before the, the Zebra players realised where he was. And he was off and he was gone and laid the, back, the ball back absolutely perfectly for um, for the second try of the game, I think it was. And it was just, yeah, superb. thing I really liked about that was he looked up, he saw something and he dug the ball out. He was, he was shouting, it wasn't coming fast enough, so he put his foot in, scooped it back, old style, and gone. He'd seen the gap. He'd seen that their defence had drifted, or somebody was out of position. We couldn't see that because we didn't have, you know, even they showed us a head on of him running. Once he was gone, it was really, really good. There was a tiny, tiny detail to that where he seemed to take a fraction of a step back for a second. Just it was, it was instead of a side step, it was a back step which fooled the defenders, and then it was almost like he kind of sprung himself back with a with elastic band or something, and then he was away, and that set the try ups. And you said in the commentary, Sammy Arnold alert. I thought Sammy Arnold had a quietly brilliant game. Uh, just fed the ball on superbly well, porched to Wooten two tries from Wooten. What's his total try count now? Is he up to? I'm I'm a little bit annoyed at Mr Wooden I had money on Porch to score he's due a try and I had money on him to score today Clarify this you're talking about the late chance where Wooden went to pass inside and then thought no maybe I can get my hat-trick in the corner Yes and he should have passed it to John Porch because there's no one marking him and I would have won my money but there you go he owes me me a couple of bob for that This is hypercritical of Alex Wooden who had a fantastic performance out there today as well everything you asked for Yeah 146 metres run four players beaten Two tries. Can't ask for much more. You can go for a hat-trick in that scenario. Absolutely. And and two clean breaks to go to two tries. (laughs) Superb stuff. Hey, one of the great things about our podcast, if I can say this, is the access that Connacht Rugby are giving us to them. So in case you're not familiar with this, on our Patreon page... There are uh, there's a podcast out every week just the night before the game where we have all the latest. We have an interview with one of the Connacht management team will have a, in this week's ca- case we also had Michael Bradley on so you had Nigel Caron and Michael Bradley during the week we heard from Jimmy Duffy what I like about it William above all else is they are giving us great insight without giving away the crown jewels and what I was able to do as I watched that game and our listeners who have heard those podcasts is interpret the overall game plan what they spoke about during the week was visible on the pitch that's not the case the previous week when that's the case you usually see Connacht do well yeah, I mean, look, the kicking game was obviously huge today. Controlling the game and putting just pressure on Zebra. And once they were put under pressure, they made mistakes. They gave away penalties. They made bad decisions. They passed the ball, particularly in attack, very slowly. Connick just worked them back. Very, very simple. Closed them down, closed away their space, and they finished up kicking the ball away or making an error, knock on got offside a couple of times when they were in the in the defensive end. That's how you beat a side like Zebra. That won't work against every team. But I'm tempted to say if you do the same next Saturday against the Ospreys, you'll get success out of that as well. Jimmy Duffy talked about it in the week. Play the game in there. Play their game in there 22. That's the place to play rugby. Don't be playing it up in your own half. Don't be playing rugby in the middle of the field, which they tried to do against the Scarlets. And I think today was a real reaction to that. There was no messing around. There was no, nothing. If there was nothing on, move the ball. Rugby, 
Even when they were down to 14 men near the end, they kept it, kept to the game. Yep, shift the ball on, get it moved, get it down the pitch. And it, it was it was good to see that. And it makes a performance like last week all the more frustrating mm. because in many ways they had to play better last week because the Scarlets are a better team than, than Zebra. But they couldn't get the job done, but they got the job done this evening. You covered another topic there in the kicking game, so we're moving along nicely. Alan, add something in there? Yeah, the turnovers, uh, kind of got seven turnovers to one. They won seven turnovers today. That's, that takes some doing as well. You know, when you're looking at playing two open sides with Sean Masterson and, and um, Jared Butler there playing as number eight but effectively an open side um, you know you're looking at doing that I know they didn't win all the turnovers but they were helping there to, to cause the to cause those things with the pressure they were putting on I want to ask you about another stat offloads but before I ask you about that because you said about turnovers just to, to segue into it or to lead into it I was really impressed with the rocking of our backs mm. so John Porch at one stage did really really well on the ground uh, I've mentioned him already but Arnold was very good Farrell before he got injured daily so that's part of it as well they are acting like flankers themselves yeah, because speed the, the the quicker the up ball, the more the, the less time the opposition have to get back into defence, which means that you can then get the situation. As with offloads, we had sixteen offloads today, which is which is quite a lot of offloads. But you're, they were also offloading on their terms. And one of the problems with offloading is that if you're not offloading on your own terms, if you're doing it because you know you've no choice and you're falling backwards or doing things, it's going to go wrong. But if you are offloading on your terms. It makes all the difference and gives you all the, the time and space for whoever's getting the offload to make more metres. The one question about something offloads is that was the perfect day for rugby. Mm-hmm. There wasn't a breath of wind. There wasn't any moisture on the ball. It's whether... Uh, you, 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 you talked to Andy Friend about this in the press conference and he accepted that, yeah, they have to learn to play in Galway. I don't think you can play... Last Saturday night against the Scarlets, you could not play that sort of offloading game. You just It's impossible. So it's to have a game plan that can deal with the fact that at the sports ground, we could have a night like that next Saturday. It could be the same. It'll be it'll be dark, obviously, because it'll be played in the afternoon, but it could be a calm night. It could be a dry night. Mm. It could also be a howling gale and rain. So I just want to see them being a bit more pragmatic. I think last week they tried to play too much rugby in appalling conditions. Um... If they'd played like that and got the ball off the park and got the ball down into the Scarlets twenty two, it wouldn't have it would have been a better a better go at times. But that game's now gone. They follow up with a win, they now need to follow up with a win and a win, and then it's Europe. And uh, Andy Fran wants thirteen points, William Davis wants fifteen points. There's no budging William Davis. Uh, I'd, I'd agree if we keep playing rugby like that so we need to like if you, if you look at last week you, you can say that, that the, the wet ball we dropped the ball we were over the line four times and didn't score once was held up the other three we knocked it on in various situations and most of it to do with a wet ball and you know we can talk we only had four offloads last week I just double checked um, but you're still looking at a situation we played a lot of rugby in the right places last can week I, too Can I note something we we underestimated the fact that there was five, six high quality players on the field for the Scarlets and you know 10, 12 capable good strong players tonight maybe you're looking at three or four players who just weren't up to speed for different reasons on the field that's a lot for Zebra. you won't have that with the Ospreys no, but they're they're struggling. You know, they won that game today at home to Benetton with the last play of the game. I know, Alan, but these are the type of Welsh players that come over here and look brilliant time and time again. 
Uh, I have a couple of names I often bring up that used to do it to us all the time but it would be disparaging of them to be naming them in the a group of Welsh players that never really make it for their national team but by God they play well against Connacht when we don't expect them to Yeah there's lots of just been very fair number of Irish players who've done the same things to us as well but I think there's a there's a belief you could see it in that game today there was a, a level of belief that improved as the game went on and guys believing in what they were doing guys believing and starting to trust one another more and more and that's that's a huge part of it is that you know the more they play the more they get they're now getting into a rhythm like last week again one slight mitigating circumstance they hadn't played in three weeks um, and then you come out and try and play that whereas that's today you could see they got better as the game went on and by the end of it they were playing good rugby and with a bit of luck next week third game in a row without any messing and, and they'll be good again Sorry, there's a phone going off in the background. We're waiting for Guy of AFM to come over to us as well. It all happens here as we're trying to wrap it up. I hope you've enjoyed the podcast. We're nearly finished. Oh, William, Tom Farrell is a worry. Massive worry. Yeah, you don't like to see a player going off with a knee injury. Um, and in the aftermatch pictures, he was out on the pitch and he was on crutches. Now, that's a, to me, is a good sign because if he was. was ice on his knee. Yeah. It was a big, big wallop of ice on his knee. So good sign, I mean, if we're talking cruciate knee ligament, all those different things, he ain't moving. Well, you don't know. You just don't know. It'll, it'll go to scan. I mean, rugby players are in and out of scanners more often than they're in and out of the coffee shop. And I think they'll know when it's scanned. That's, that's how they'll decide. Uh, if it's just a twist, is it a tear? Whatever it is, it didn't look good. He just made a really, really good tackle and he seemed to get a bit trapped and turned. And just hope for the best. But yeah, he's... He's a key man, uh, you know. Bundy's not going to be around for a while. He's going to be still got a lot of stuff to do with Ireland. He may not play next week. I would suggest against Georgia, but he won't be back playing against the Ospreys either. All right, wrapping this up, uh, we've got Ospreys next Saturday at seven thirty-five live on Goy FM. Alan, what can our listeners expect on the feed uh, between now and then? Um, well, we'll have we'll have this podcast will go out. We'll have a midweek podcast and we'll have the, a, a little mini pod when we find out the team um, and we get the, the coaches view as to why they've picked the players they've picked. Best place to follow all that is the social media at Craggy Rugby on Twitter in particular will just show will show up every time there's a, a new piece of audio in the feed. William and Alan will be busy during the week with all of that. That is almost it for us but we always like to finish on one final thought. William Davis, one final thought. I think we're in a key part of the season already here. I, it's, to me, these next two games are absolutely crucial. They're home games and they got to win them. And they've got to get themselves in position now. Seize the opportunity. And I think they will. Alan? Yeah, I think it's important the likes of Conor Oliver got rested um, today and Paul Boyle wasn't available today yet. We didn't we didn't appear to miss them. So what you're looking at is a awful lot of competition and Colm Riley putting it up to Kieran Marmion and and um, Caelan Blade that, you know, nobody has a position where they can just go, yeah, this is my position. I'm going to have to work for this all the time. All right, and the final, final thought is we've spoken to him in the podcast. We spoke it off the top, but our absolute takeaway from today is Sean O'Brien. Yeah. What a story. Ah, it's fantastic. I mean, he sounded in the press conference, he sort of admitted that maybe at some stage he might have been ready to give up a bit as well, that it was too much. It's very, very hard to just keep rehabbing and rehabbing. And remember, he'd he'd done a lot of that and he came back and played. He was on the field, what, 10 minutes against Leinster? And that was months ago, a year ago. So he's got through that. And I think they've decided, they've realised he is vulnerable to injury. He, he said that again. So the, the, the medical crew and the fitness crew have worked on a specific way to increase his resilience. He possibly trains completely different to other players. And what I mean by that is that they'll have to protect him. 
and they might be he might be doing different build up and different uh, just strength and conditioning. And that's what they've had to learn. You know, yeah, it's a bit like the Paul McGrath situation in football all those years ago to protect his dodgy knee. Well, so it, it would be interesting to know what they're doing with them. But it's it's to build up resilience and it's, let's hope it works. Yeah, let's hope it works. Final thoughts on Sean O'Brien. Yeah, I I, um, I can't wait for him to score a try in the sports ground. His three tries have all been scored away from home. He scored in the Ospreys, um, his other Pro 14 try, and he scored in Perpignan. So let's hope he gets a try in the sports ground at some stage. Great as well. It's so many of our stories today are local players as well. We need to have that balance of developing Irish players, of course, but also Colin Riley, Belna Slow, Sean O'Brien, Galwegians and Galway. Not for that. That's it from us. We'll talk to you during the week with one of our many more podcasts. Never ends. Ospreys to come next Saturday. Loose, cut it loose. Break out or nothing changes. Side.